Welcome to Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Golf fans, sports fans, or just fans, welcome to another episode of Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon. And we got to start, Max, by giving a little love to the person that puts this whole thing together. Producer Tim, he got engaged this week. Congrats to Tim. Um, we've all, you know, we both have been there. It's a very frightening, frightening process. Uh, I don't remember a lot of even what I said. Shane, do you remember much? No. no Where'd I, you do it? I, I, I actually, I did it. I was uh, a, one of Cindy's good friends. Got married at this unbelievable resort in Italy. So I, do you piggyback? Off I piggyback. So off smart. I asked. I asked politely. I, if listen, if you're ever gonna do this, you've got to ask. The bride of the wedding you're going to. Do not to. ask the groom. Every groom says, cool, he doesn't go care. for no, it. No Whatever. chance. Yeah, but I asked her friend that was getting married. I said, I'm thinking about proposing to Cindy on this trip to Italy. She said, totally cool, as long as it's the day after the wedding or beyond. And so I did it the day after the wedding. <laughs> so we went wine tasting, and I had this whole thing planned. And then to your Was point, it your first try? She said yes, the first try. Well, interesting enough, we were at a winery, and I was going to pull the trigger. And we're going down there. Pull. By the way, I always associate pulling the trigger with when you get too drunk and you have to throw up is that oh wow no that's never been the first never in, thought i had okay no so, but now it is <laughs> yeah now that's always the one in my head so every time i say it i think of that but i was walking down we were with another couple and i was walking down beautiful scenery in italy and the area i walked down to was where they put all the manure for the so you literally almost did have to pull the trigger I, just about i so i walked down there and it smells terrible and so we walked back well, the guy we were with, Minos, had ordered their nicest bottle of wine and a bottle of champagne. <laughs> so I'm standing behind Cindy, like waving my arms, like, no, don't say anything. So they're all like, hey, we got some drinks. <laughs> You're like, okay, give me a minute. So then I, that's I did have a bit of a mulligan. So yes. You? Mulligan, nice. Mulligan recall? Did she mulligan recall? No, she didn't, she didn't recall me. I told Tim on the phone after he did it, uh, I talked to him and I said, the key to engagements is just one thing. It's a yes. Yeah. If, it, if she don't says yes. Don't forget to ask the question. It's a success. Well, uh, did she cry? I don't think Cindy Did cried. you cry at the wedding? No. I mean, if, if there's going to be a crier between the two of us, it would have been me over her. Okay. Um, I think I was reading my vows and I was, I was like, uh, like stepping into the shot of crying, but I kept. I held it together. <laughs> yeah. You are you a crier? I feel like no, I'm not at all. I what do you was, what do you cry? What do you cry from? Movies, books, um, me telling you good stories. I did cry uh, watching all of the Kobe Bryant uh, okay memorial stuff at his at his uh, at his funeral. Um, that got me, but I don't cry a lot. I've always wanted to. I've had some not so great things happen in my life, and I I sadly think that it kind of like broke off of broke off the sad crying thing like the emotional side yeah of it. like you know and that happened you know back in uh high school i remember like college you know um so it, it's been difficult it takes a lot i cried when i lost the last match against thomas peters in the ncaa that was like the last time i really like let it rip so i was hoping at the wedding i didn't want to do a first look because i wanted to see if i could cry and i definitely teared up i did not I thought I was going to cry. Like, I wanted to cry. It's like it Chandler Bing situation. It was. Yeah, you want to feel, you know. Our engagement was uh, was a fun. I mean, it was. I have a longer story, but I'll save that for any time I get a beer with any of the people listening to this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I did it in my house. You know, we end up not doing Christmas at uh, anyone's, uh, any any family house. We just did it here, and I had set up a reservation for dinner. So Lacey was getting ready, used my dog, which was really smart, uh, got her to take a note 
to Lacey, I put some roses in this uh, living room right next to us where there's now a treadmill uh, memorializing that beautiful moment. It's the and, tallest uh, treadmill in the world. The tallest treadmill in the world. And I, uh, yeah, I, I went down on one knee. I don't remember anything. What Lacey told me was is that and I didn't train her to do this. She's just a smart dog. Well, apparently, when I was asking the question, Scotty was sitting right next to me looking up at Lacey, too, like we were both doing it. Like, so like if, she was wanting to hear exactly. the answer. So it was almost like if it was 50-50, which I don't know, maybe she said it wasn't. But if it was 50-50, like Scotty's, you know, knocking knocking that over. Like she's going to push push me to the finish line. Uh, she did say yes. We went to dinner. It was really fun. Um, you know, it was. But it's one of those funny things. Like, I think adrenaline. I don't remember half of what I said at all. I just remember trying to say like the question at the end. So I'm proud of Tim. I haven't gotten the story on how he did it, but I mean, for any, any guy out there and obviously any woman, but any guy out there, it is a oddly, um, it's, it's an awesome moment, but we, I think naturally are all so bad at this stuff right. that we're not as creative as women. We're definitely not as smart. Um, we don't, you know, everything seems half baked with guys and uh you have to like at one point like fully bake your idea yeah that's a great way to put it i i um i i piggybacking on kind of your thoughts you're a big piggybacker <laughs> just piggybacking all day there 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 isn't a lot in the in the relationship world that we are in charge of a hundred percent fortunately you know like the wedding we're minimal a part of that i mean you're maybe five percent a body yeah, yeah you're a human there um there's like the the child bearing and childbirth we are we are a very minimal part of that yeah, I mean, like the smallest like amount. a few minutes yeah. and then there you go here's nine months of your life and also the rest of your life yeah. as well so this is like the one thing we're given and so i do feel like the stress level is is ramped up from the engagement world i was doing an event at wingfoot we were doing the four ball that year and then i flew to italy so i had, had the ring with me oh and Stress. I, I remember I had it. I'd never used a hotel safe in my entire life. Yeah. I don't really understand why they're there. I mean, I don't carry like 10 grand on me all the time. Sometimes, but <laughs> I, like I've never under quite understood the reason. I just put it under your socks or underwear in the drawer. It'll yeah. be fine. I put the ring in the thing, checked it every day. Yeah. And I would relock it, check it every day, relock it. And I just remember the moment I proposed and I got to have. I got to be done with the ring responsibility oh, was just an unreal it's moment. Really good. It's like, this is on you now. If you lose it, you're going to be mad. Uh, I would like to just going off the theme so far of this podcast that I'm not really sure what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're good at piggybacks. Like, yes. Literally. Yeah. I, I totally there agree with you. Yeah. Great piggyback. Yeah, group. Guys are good piggybackers. Um, you had a bet this week. I did. With JT Poston. The postman. Um, he is a huge Braves fan, right? He is a Braves fan. And you, you have talked a bit about being a Dodgers fan over the years. Um, how did it go? How would you give yourself a grade on the uh, social media takeover? 24 hours. Was it on Monday? Yeah, it was on Monday. I didn't really take the full 24. Uh, I promised, uh, to myself, I'm not going to talk too much about the Dodgers stuff. I understand people are sick of it. I'm doing really well in my sports life right now. I understand not everyone is. It is kind of annoying. Yeah, it's Lakers annoying. So I'm not going to, I will, I will talk if we somehow win the world series, but <laughs> So, but, but I do want to talk about the bet because it was really fun, unique, whatever. Well, JT, it, it stinks because I have a lot of friends on tour that are from the Southeast part of the country. Um, and like everyone is a Braves fan down there because there's so few teams. I didn't realize that, you know, my buddy, Aaron Fleener, you know, 
Kentucky boy, like loves the Braves. Patton Gazire, you know, just another Southern boy, loves the Braves. Well, everyone a, loves the Braves. And and Postman is from North Carolina. One of the reasons Braves. also is the fact that they had that deal forever with the Turner Broadcasting crew. Oh, is that would, what it is? Yeah, they would show the, I mean, Braves. Oh, that's right. Were, it was in every, it, it was, was always on TBS on. or TNT or whatever. And it was on all the time. I mean, I grew up in East Texas and a whole bunch of my friends are still Braves fans because of that. It was like the smartest. Yeah. Early year decision ever by an owner. And how do you not do root that? for a guy named Chipper? Like you look, you, you root for a guy. It's named a great Chipper. point. It's yeah. a great point. I mean, and you know, I, I was, I pitched, you know, I, I mean, I pitched a no hitter, no big deal, but back in my day, it was on April 30th, <laughs> was 1990, <it> <laughs> 1993. It's a while back, but, uh, I like, I would, that was the team because it was on TV all the time. Totally. And I liked him too. Um, but I, you know, I was rooting, I was rooting for them to, to do well before, you know, just cause a bunch of my physio is also, um, a Braves fan and, and like all these, all these people around me, like I, and I liked the team, whatever. So it's my favorite term. So it's stunk. Well, it's nobody ever, except for athletes say physio. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's too many syllables for us athletes to get through. We're not we don't we are not professionals <laughs> at speaking. But I'm just saying, as yourself. No, what other person in life says physio? I don't know. I That's think a it's really just as probably is maybe yeah. just golfers. Yeah, but we see them, you know, a lot. You got to shorten, you know, <laughs> we, we got we are we play a game where we're on the clock a lot. It's you know, you got to you got to get it get it over with quick. So JT brought it to me when the series was about to start. Um, you know, hey, let's have a bet. I don't want to do like a monetary bet. Like, let's do something clever. And I said, well, what do you have in mind? And he said, whoever wins, um, whoever's team wins the series gets to take over the other person's Twitter for 24 hours. And I got a little nervous. Not going to well, lie. You, I mean, it's a big moment in 2020. We're, we are in the social media age. You're following. I mean, you, you know. So we talked about that. I said, the Dodgers are uh, favorites. So we don't need to change anything because I have, you know, a few more than he does. So I was like, it's kind of like a fair set. I also trust him a lot. He is like a really good dude. Um, and I, I figured, you know, this, this would be fun. It would be lighthearted. So yeah, when we won, I was way more, I was almost more nervous for that than the backlash <laughs> I would have felt from the Braves, uh, fans and organization in general. So it was cool. You know, I went, we already had a plan. Lacey photoshopped, um, a Dodgers Jersey on his, uh, on his avatar. Which Lacey is his did trope. that? Yeah. Lacey Looked did, really did it really good. well. Really, yeah. really good. Um, so she, uh, she did that. That was just like an easy, fun one. Did a few tweets. Uh, his mom did tweet at me at one point. Scared the life out of me. Was not prepared for a family affair. How, how'd you know? Uh, because I've met her and I saw the thing. And she said there's only one JT in my eyes or something. And I was like, well, I mean, if you are a follower of golf, you know that there's a second one. Like, I, I mean, I, I love JT Poston, but like he is no offense to him. And he would say the same thing. He is on the PJ Tour only the other JT, which is criminal considering how good he is at golf, but there is another guy that is, I mean, no offense to Rory Sabatini, but if you're not listening to the shotgun start podcast, he is the other Rory. Right. Like he, he just is. So, um, and, and frankly, it, it's a gap. It, there, there's a gap. I mean, there's a gap for both. I mean, yeah, there's a gap. For, I mean, there's a major, no, the yeah. I mean, so there's a bit of difference. So I saw it and I was like, Oh no, who's this? And of course I, I realized quickly that I had that made a mistake. Um, but no, that was fun. It was all fun. I tried to, I tried to like use a lot of Duke references cause he's a big North Carolina fan. Um, you know, I did a Q and a, which I thought was really fun because a lot of, a lot of the fun for me was a lot of people didn't know. Right. Uh, we were trying to let, I was trying to let everybody know. Fleener was trying to let everybody know. I wanted people to know that it wasn't him. Um, but people still didn't catch on. So, uh, that was, that was enjoyable. Um, I did, uh, leave the thing at the end on his, my last tweet was that, you know, anything on 10, 19, 
2020 was, you know, you should direct your hate at me and not him. If I, you know, made you mad about a Duke reference or I'm assuming people who follow him like are aligned with his sports take. So, uh, but it was fun. He, he, he's the best man. Like I, I was, I was happy. He kind of let me throughout the day. I was like, Hey, if any of this is pissing you off, like, please let me know. The funny part was I was pretty much done. I did like a lot in the morning when I, you know, make my breakfast and I take care of the house, walk my dog. I, I did a lot of it and I was like, I'm kind of over this just in the sense that how much more can you say? And I was at practice. So I was pretty much going to be done. I had one or two more tweets. I was going to send off at night before I gave it back to him. And Keith Mitchell uh, texts me. Keith Mitchell lives down by them. They're all really good friends. And he sent me like 10 to 15 pictures or videos of hit of, of JT and Fleener that were embarrassing or funny or whatever. And he was like, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but just like, here you go. And I, I trust like, you, man. All right. I'm kind of back. So <laughs> I had to, I had to fire off a few from the golf cart. Uh, but you know, it was cool. Uh, it, it was fun. It's definitely something, uh, I don't think I'll do again. Cause I'm one to know I'd like to just stay undefeated. It was a high stress situation, but I do suggest to the other, uh, golfers out there, the athletes that, that do have some sort of a following, maybe, you know, try this out because it is it is kind of a rush, you know, and and I don't know what what twenty dollars was going to make me feel Uh, shout out to Chess and Alley. He owes me twenty dollars. I don't know what twenty dollars was going to make me feel compared to this. Like I was already going to be bummed or excited. I didn't think tw- leaving tw- like shelling out twenty bucks or getting twenty bucks was going to make me feel that much better or that much worse. This would have actually <laughs> made me feel a lot worse. So it was uh, it was a good it was a good uh, idea by him. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Where were you? You watched the game here? Mm-hmm. Were you at? Some, yeah. You watched game yeah. seven here? So emotionally, just can you take me through it? Like, not inning by inning, but just, you know, not a great start, looked bad, and then Atlanta decided they didn't really know how to run bases anymore. Where, where was your, how was your roller coaster? The whole series was, I was very patient. Again, I'm not just talking about the Dodgers. Anyone who watches sports is a sports fan as you know, we referenced at the beginning of every podcast, understands the rush and the, the, the highs and the lows of watching your team uh, either succeed or like mine has so many times crash and burn right in front of my eyes. Um, I'm close. I felt at peace after, when it was 3-1, okay. oddly. I was like, eh, it is what it is. Um, I still had a lot of faith, but it was like, it, was, it is what it is. And then as every game progressed, I started to feel the pain that was like building that like could, I'm like, why am I caring again? So, of course, uh, in natural fashion, if you're going to already feel that, I just wore all Dodger stuff on the, the final game. Just had sure. sweatpants, shirt, oh, nice. hat. Like, I had it all. Um, and throughout the game, yeah, it was it was stress. I always felt like we were going to win that last game. Not sure why. Um, just It just felt like we, I don't know. It was one of those gut things. I just felt like we were going to do it. But it was obviously a, a lot going on. We, we were losing for a minute, but... Yeah, Cody Ballinger, it's like the furthest home run ever after Kike Hernandez hits the furthest home run ever. And then Cody, you know, does this little cool guy high five where they smack elbows and his shoulder popped out of the socket. The last <laughs> ball goes to him while it's in the air. All I can think of is, can he lift his arm to catch this? Like, is he going to have to barehand it with the off? Like he'll Kevin Brown it with one hand. Yeah, yeah. I was very scared. Uh, so, but it was a rush, but it was fun. I mean, I, I know I talked about it on the last pod, but baseball to me, I don't know if, if people people who aren't big baseball fans out there, I really do think it's something to get into if you could find a team because I, I admit that like over 162 games in the regular season, it's kind of a lot and it gets boring. And I'm not going to say I watch every game by any means, but when you're invested in it, 
um, there is an art to it, and it is high anxiety, and in a good way. It's a rush. It's yeah. fun. Even if your team's not great, baseball always feels close. It's a lot like hockey. You can see a team dominate, or like soccer, you can see a team dominate in, in soccer a lot and lose. And it's kind of the fun of the game. Is like it's one of those any team can win situations. So it is. It was. It was a. It was definitely high stress. Um, I did not drink during the game. I was proud, trying to cut that out of uh, my viewing experiences. But man, it was uh, it's fun now. You know, obviously we have this series starting today. But um, like I said, I won't talk about it until the series is over. But holy, you know, holy cow! I, I am glad. I'm glad I did not have to give the reins to JT and see what he would have written about me. Are you bummed it's not the Astros? A little bit, yeah. Okay. I couldn't root for the Astros uh, when they were playing the Rays when we were getting dominated because if the Astros won and we didn't get to play them, the Dodgers didn't get to play them, and then they somehow won, I would have been, like, devastated. I hate the Astros, like, full-on full, full on hate. Um, so the, I, I'm now bummed a little bit because it would have been great. I, I think they would have either literally kick the shit out of them off on the field or they would have fought them so it would have been like kind of fun to watch regardless but uh at the same time it's like yeah like i kind of like their, i kind of like like everyone kept texting me like is there are there any like where are the baseball gods gods where's the karma like how are they doing this how are they down 3-0 and they're gonna win this series and it was almost perfect because they did what the daughters do to me so I'm, they went down 3-0 then got it back to 3-3 like oh they're gonna do it and then they kind of had their own little like heart-wrenching moment um that's why i felt like the daughters were gonna do the opposite because like some karma has to be on the Dodgers side in this like just a, give me a little karma so uh it, it's a bummer but at the same time i mean I, i'm glad that they uh i'm glad that no one has to talk talk about them or look at them anymore yeah the bellinger injury or the shoulder <laughs> yeah. injury celebration i, I mean we've seen over the years, some big golf celebrations, you know, specifically like the team events where you see the guys aggressively high five. Have you had ever had a moment where something happened in an event collegiately or whatever, where you were celebrating and something happened and you were like, yeah, it was probably too much. Um, I've not played well enough to celebrate. enough. <laughs> um, I do remember, you know, there's that tiger. I don't even know if it was talked about that much, but tiger at the PGA one year fist pumped and he did a running fist pump but when he stepped to do the the kind of the climax of the of the uh of the roar he tweaked his knee like you can see it and he like hobbled off and i always wondered how bad that was but the only time i can remember is kind of our one of me and michael kim's uh favorite stories is at pasa tiempo our senior year when at cal when we were you know rolling we couldn't really we didn't really lose honestly um we were started the final round down to ucla and in that tournament it was two and two so you would play two ucla guys and two cal guys in the same group which is rare typically it's threesomes uh, or even foursomes but it's one from each school right um and we were down to start the day and Postium was a really hard golf course and um you know we i think we were down six to start the day which for a team event is almost nothing but uh so we tee off and michael and i are balling the first nine holes and we know we're beating the other two guys we're playing with at least on the day um and we're playing great we get to the ninth hole and i had like a 30 footer for eagle and michael had just missed the green and probably had a 40 foot chip for eagle and it was right on my line so he chips it and michael ends up you know being player of the year he's the best player like one of the best players i've ever seen in my life that season like just did not miss ever like you had more faith in him than anything in the world and he gets this chip and i kind of leaned in just to read the break and of course he hoops it and i stuck my hand out he yelled stuck my hand out he hit my hand so freaking hard i can still feel it tingling and i told him after you know i end up two putting thank god i told him after i said dude i think you like almost broke my <laughs> hand i said one day i'm gonna get you back for that 
Um, by the way, after that hole, we were up nine. So we flipped them 15 and nine holes. That was a part of the high five, I think, because there was a little scoreboard. But so fast forward like four months, I think, to the Walker Cup, three months to Walker Cup. And we, uh, we, Michael and I played the alternate shot together. Um, and uh, we got to the, we're like two down with three to play. And we won 16 and 17, or maybe 15 and 17, maybe it was four to play. And we're on 18 all square. And uh, like I said, Mr. Reliable never messes up. 18, I was, I felt like the only one doing anything like reliable at that moment. Like I hit the fairway, then he snipe hooks one. I have the hardest chip of my life. I hit it really good, like up near the green. This is at National at Golf, National right? Golf so, Links. So, so par five. To par finish, five, right? yep. yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. So my, our third shot gets up near the green. It's like pretty much as good as I could have done. He flubs the chip. I have six feet, but they were screwing around over there. So now we have uh, six feet for par and they had, already missed their par putt. So I had six feet to win the match and it felt like a big moment. Um, and, uh, and I made it and I, I can remember like as yesterday, he put his hand out and I was just like, all right, um, this has been a few months of like talking about it. And I hit his hand. Sorry. And I had a, I have a picture or at least I have one. There's that, uh, where he's laughing after I hit it. Cause he knew I was going to slap he knew it was his coming. hand. So I wouldn't say it was bad, but it is one of those, one of those funny moments. Cause I, I, I'm not joking. When he hit my hand, like I had to like your touch at pasta and be really good. And like, I had no feeling on my right hand yet. It's so, do you hard. remember what you did with the Eagle putt? I left it short left and like kicked in a one or two footer. I was so proud that I like didn't blow it like 15 feet off the green. I mean, my hand was like, you like know, throbbing. you know, a good yeah, high yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you can feel all of your hand tingling. Um, so we just spoke about golf after, you know, 15 minutes about another sport, which is typically how we do this podcast. I tried now. to weave um, it. <laughs> that's kind of what we do these days. It's the off season for goodness sakes. Uh, not an off season for you next week. You added a, an event to the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, by the way, what a pro golf thing to do is you're like, I added a, I added, I added an event. event. You know, I'm like, I'm throwing that one in there. I did feel bad. I saw somebody in the course. I said, are you playing? He's like, oh, I'm a little bit out at Bermuda. I was like, dang it. Like, I'm finally on the <laughs> side that? of, like, Parker McLaughlin. I was like, I'm fi- I didn't tell him, but I was like, I'm finally on the side of, like, bumping somebody because it's always the other way around. Um, yeah, you know, I, I planned on, uh, I thought I was going to get into Zozo and CJ Cup and didn't. And then I just thought to myself, well, it's no biggie. You'll just, you know, uh, play uh, the ones you already slotted to play, which was going to be Houston, Augusta, and... um and uh, Mayakoba. Is it weird to casually throw Augusta? Yeah, I didn't know if I was supposed to call it Augusta or the Masters. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you, it was good. I, you sound yeah, like it was just something you do all subtle, the time. Yeah, always. Hey, Augusta. Yeah, you know, toss it in on the schedule. Not a real big deal. <laughs> um, so, but I played so poorly to start this season. And, you know, there's so many events now in this in this mega season we have that I really wanted to add an event. I'm playing, you know, oddly, like, like I feel confident about my game. And not even just that. I thought it would help uh to the slight changes i'm making they're not like drastic but the slight changes i'm making all the work i've really put in these last week and a half two weeks it's been like a grind i didn't know if i wanted to be here like i was getting antsy two days ago on the range where i was like man like am i really going to keep do keep up with this work for another week after like i started to feel like i was going to build up houston and 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 the masters so much that it was going to be too much and if i didn't play great at houston was i going to get uh kind of dejected and i felt like if i added one even if i didn't play my best both of those events at least i could see what i could have done better you know you go to houston maybe you only play two days right it's not the most positive mindset but the idea was is to maximize my chances at fedex cut points and maximize my chances to feel prepared to play you know the biggest golf tournament i've ever played in my life so um that's kind of why i wanted to do it um unfortunately joe uh 
I, you know, he, he, Mark Hubbard had an issue with his caddy. I might have referenced last podcast. I can't remember, but he couldn't make the last two events. So I told Joe is all good if he wanted to caddy CJ and Zozo for Hub, Hubbard. So, um, uh, unfortunately for me, I had this event and like Joe couldn't go, which I totally understood. I told him, I was like, listen, you don't need to make it. Um, Joe's going through like a lot of, a lot of, um, like cool new, like home stuff. And I was like, dude, you got to go home. Like, it's all good. Like get yourself ready. But then didn't realize Bermuda's not close and it's not cheap. So uh found fortunately they have local caddies in Bermuda. So I didn't have to I, I had actually called DJ Pihowski and asked him if he could caddy for me because he lives in Florida and it's not that bad from over right. there. Um and and unfortunately he couldn't he's caddying in a Symmetra tour event. Um so I did get bumped, I guess, this week. But uh, you know, I'm excited to go. I I'm very happy with my game. Um you know, I, I, I'm not just happy about that. I, I'm happy that uh, I feel like the work I'm putting in is is really showing and I feel very comfortable. Uh, I feel like I have a good direction right now. So I wanted to go play. Even if there was nothing else after it, I wanted to go play some tournaments. Just golf. to play. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean that, that again, this there lies a bit of the problem with the way the schedule goes is I'm speaking from your shoes right now, but you know, you, you get these breaks and they're probably welcomed breaks. You know, you get a little bit of time off. I don't want to play. I'm going to take a couple of weeks and just be at home or whatever. But yeah, you, all of a sudden you're now you, you kind of can four or five weeks and you're like, I haven't played. Now I got to all of a sudden I got to get my game back to your point. The biggest event you've ever played in. You're going to have, you know, you get Houston. You're, not, you're talking about Masters of Houston. I'm going to probably be talking about the Masters. Okay, the Masters. Okay, I, did, I mean, I just didn't yeah. know. I know that was you, a mentioned, great question, you mentioned James. two events, um, but, you know, you've got, like you said, you play Houston and you play okay and you shoot one under one under and you miss the cut it's like oh crap you know i mean what am i going to do here so yeah. probably pretty smart you mentioned bermuda i'm gonna admit this on the podcast I had no idea where it was i didn't either do we were like on the we were on me and my wife were on the like maps trying to figure out where the did, where did is. you where did you initially look or did you pull I thought it, up it was right away sad. like i thought it would have been which now makes sense it's like you know down by cuba but i thought it would have been like that direction you know, like like towards like Bahamas. <laughs> right. I don't know why right, right, I put Bermuda and Bahamas in the same. I think I would have. I think I did the same but I don't thing. Think it's very close to the Bahamas. Not even close at all, right? I don't think so. I think it's much more north because one of the flights I had goes through New York, and I was like, God, that sounds so far out of the way. But then from New York, there's quite close, so it's only like <laughs> two hours. So I mean, yeah, you learn. So maybe this is just a learning moment. You know, this is a geography lesson. I, this is all you need. I mean, go go play well, but hey, you learned a little yeah. bit more about the world. Totally. All of a sudden, now you're well versed. I'm wondering if Rudy can make an appearance up to Ooh. Bermuda. I don't know. You know, John from Bahamas in a, in, a, in a different in a different time in a non 2020 COVID time. I mean, I probably would like buy a plane ticket after we got off this podcast. I was so you you were on, on my list. The reason you weren't the first phone call was really because we it didn't is, know where it, was. it is so. You know, that was part of it. You have child. <laughs> um, you are with child. Uh, also, it's just really expensive and far. Right. And when I do this, I like to you know I would pay for like whoever I'm going to bring on on a whim. Like they're I'm going to pay for all their stuff, and it was just like man, like I I, I didn't really. It didn't sound appealing <laughs> to me or my bank account uh, to grab somebody from the West. So that's why I, I looked at DJ first. Um, 
We, but we, once I found we the local just stuff, sell more, was nice. sell more shirts and hats. Buy, go to Imperial, buy more go to Imperial shirts. And hats. If you want content <laughs> from this podcast, buy more stuff, and I can actually afford. To we bring got some new around. shirts and hats coming as well, right there. ImperialSports.com. God, you would have been a walking billboard. Oh my gosh, you understand how much get a grip stuff I would have had? It would have been. I would have shaved it in my in my beard. They've been like people are like, "What is on his face?" Oh, let me tell you what's on my face. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, sports fans. Um, it's just been so cheesy. Yeah. I would have just been walking behind you after a post on interview with a sign we're going to take a quick break and be right back um you have uh, not just a bet with poston about the the nlcs but i mean you've got a bet there's a bet going on with your caddy yeah um that is uh what seven eight years in the making potentially yeah so this was a self-inflicted bet i bet would be the wrong word but i don't know how to how else to it was in like an agreement he said joe's been shaving his or has been growing his beard since i have a picture but it, my rookie year so probably for seven years and anyone who hasn't seen it go online google it's worth looking at once it's like a bird's nest without a bird um but it smells probably worse uh, but no, he, uh, but he's always said, I'll shave it when the Dodgers win the world series. Joe is the biggest Dodger fan. I know he's the one who got me into like this diehard fandom. Um, what's funny is a little sidebar is at the Wells Fargo in 2019, uh, we're chipping, uh, on the chipping green, me, Joe, and then, uh, Daniel Berger and Berger was asking Joe all kinds of questions about the beer. And he said, I'm not going to shave it till, uh, Dodgers win the world series. And he's stood by that. I mean, he's said that for since it's okay. Started. So this has been this going isn't on. like a new thing. He, this has been like last five years. It's become very like everyone knows for the most part. And Berger goes, "Well, what if Max won Wells Fargo this week? Like, would you shave it?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'd probably shave it because I think our other one was if I ever won the Masters, he would shave it." And of when, lo and behold, when you win the Masters, when but lo and behold, I'm hoping the Dodgers win the World Series before I win the Masters. That would be cool. Um, but so when. When I ended up winning, we're on the 18th green, and I kind of thought about it, but not that much. But Joe had like kind of come over, and he goes, "Hey, I'm not shaving this beard." And I and I told him, I said, "I really don't want you to, because I'm investing in this Dodgers shave right. that thing too. Like I want it. That's what I wanted." But it was really funny. And to this day, Burger gives wait, him. Did he say it to you like before the putt? I had like I won? mean, I had like six putts to win. No, I know you yeah, did, but it was but before I putt. It's funny as it hell. It was before I putt. Yeah, it was right when we were standing waiting around. And to this day, Burger gives him so much grief about it. He goes, I, "Every time he sees it, I cannot believe you didn't shave your beard," because he's the only guy that knew like that was even like an in-play bet so yeah so most people i would say on tour right now uh there's not a lot of tampa bay fans in general uh let alone on the pj tour but most people are really rooting for joe so they can see his chin like we haven't seen his chin it would be like if james harden had something like this like you want to just see what it's like i've seen it i don't even really remember it, <laughs> it it's gonna be it It'll be weeks for you to get used to it. It will be so weird. He'll have to start throwing up grass to see the wind instead of just plucking just it out of his a face. Whisker, just pulling a whisker out. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, this is impromptu. This was not on our uh, super makeshift rundown. No, this here. is a good rundown. <laughs> um, this is not great. There's like 18 words on our rundown. Um, I'm going to go. So you're going to have a you're going to have a club caddy, if you will. Yeah. OK, so I want to go through just. For anybody in Bermuda listening that potentially might be caddying for Max, I just want to go down some some qualities that you would prefer in a caddy, okay? So I'm going to start with a real easy one. Yards or meters? Yards. Okay, so <laughs> you would like them in yards, okay? Yeah. So no meters at all. That would be really nice just for my brain. <laughs> you, what if you won in meters? 
I'd have to switch. Joe would be pissed because now oh, Joe, I'd have, he'd have get, no beard. I'm and already no yards. Yeah, he'd have no beard. No, no, no clue. Really, uh, I'm I'm better at math than Joe, and I would struggle with this. So, um, how early do you want your caddy to show up? Um, to a to a round, not a practice round, but a, to a round. How early do they? You want the club caddy to get there? It is definitely a um. It is definitely a good look when I tell somebody, "Hey, I'm gonna be there." At 8.30, let's say. And when I get there, they're there. Like, already. Okay. So, like, if I were to caddy and my guy said, I'm going to be there at 8.30, I would be there at 8. eight just in case. 8.15, right. He, especially because, like, Joe, it's not like Joe meets me in the parking lot. But, like, I don't like to say, like, you hear Joe. Like, right. just in case. Because sometimes I decide 15 minutes early. Like, I would like for you to always be there. So, I'm not the guy, like looking like my caddy it didn't show up well, so what's your like what's your buffer zone here i mean are you gonna you want a half an hour buffer i mean you want eight if you I say think smart. i mean in the, in this case i'm not gonna be very picky but um <laughs> yeah if i say 8 30 i would like for you to be there at 8 30 rudy'd been there when <laughs> oh man he pushed the envelope <laughs> and i didn't have his number so it was like really <laughs> stressful every morning it was more so like maybe that's why i played well is i was more so stressed about him being there than i was like actually about how, where my <laughs> golf ball was going it's it's like when you go on a golf trip and the only thing you're concerned about is if your clubs make yes it. like you just need i don't care what else work. happens yeah we can lose an engine but if exactly. my club makes it i'm gonna be happy that's how get there that's how it felt so yeah just be like be there when i ask please and if you want to Really make me happy to be there like a little early. Okay, so do you want the caddy to have a yardage book or no yardage book? In this book? case, no, probably not. Okay. I mean, I'm assuming these club caddies will know something about the course, but even then, I'm not really going to. I pace my own yardages anyways. If they want to do it with me, uh, my favorite caddy, one of my favorite caddy stories is uh, in Brazil. Um, it's You have to get like a work when visa you, to go down when there. When you play in uh, Brazil? my second, third year pro. Um, but it's a trek, you know, it's Far, it's way further down there than I thought, and it's expensive again. So most people get a club caddy down there, and they they don't speak Spanish in Brazil. They speak Portuguese, and uh, that's not even close to Spanish, I found out. And I know a little Spanish, enough to, like, even if, like, I would never have this happen, but even if the caddy in Spanish wanted to tell me the number, I could tell you what he said. Gotcha. Um, but in this case, uh, I we never really talked. I liked the kid a lot, but, like, we had – I couldn't talk to him. Um, so uh, we – uh. We're going as Sunday. I actually played well again. Maybe Joe is the issue. <laughs> you know what? Maybe you need maybe you need a stressful caddy. Yeah, maybe I, maybe need I need to show up and just be like super obnoxious. Start telling and me just be meters. all in your business. And you'd be like, <laughs> this guy it. sucks. I just shot 64. I'm completely I've looking at this the wrong way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're coming up Sunday. And it's like kind of like a medium stress part of the round. You know, I'm like 12 on the 12th hole on Sunday. And I'm in like a pretty good spot. Can't win. But I think I was in like seventh. And uh, I noticed, I just like kind of clicked out it, and I noticed as I'm standing there like doing my numbers, he, I realized, has also done the numbers. And I realized as I think about it that he had done the numbers on every single shot we had, but he had never even shown it to me. He never even tried to tell it to me. It's not like he at any point thought I was going to ask. Maybe he thought I would ask him and he'd have it, but I don't even know if he knew how I would ask him. Like I wouldn't know. And I want, I wish for one second, like if I could get, if I, if I had a genie at that moment and I had, one wish at that exact moment expires in 20 seconds. I would have just asked if he could, he and I could speak the same language just so I could say, what have you been doing? Like, and I, because I wanted to understand like, but I guess like he must've been bored too. Like I didn't obviously mind it, but I was just so shocked and it made me kind of laugh because <laughs> I couldn't believe he'd been, he's working really hard for like things that you like don't need to do. And I mean, it was like really, really like commendable and I'm obviously not making fun of, it, but it was just like one of those like, 
I could, I was shocked that he had been doing this for, you know, at that point, like 60 holes of this golf tournament, getting a number that I was never, ever going to use. Um, I, uh, I had a moment, I mean, the caddying in a different language is, I mean, as where, have you, about, where have you had so, that? So I had a group, you know, when I, when I caddied at St. Andrews, I, do they we, not speaking? We would <laughs> some. I mean, you can depend on certain Scottish. Certain sure, Scottish that's a whole dialects new language. Are a little far off, but uh, th- there was a group of Korean golfers that had showed up, and I was the only and caddy you there. Don't speak Korean. Not not great. And so I, the the caddy master puts me in this group, and through a translator, he says, "You know, this guy's going to be your caddy." He's and of course, you know, they always talk it up like I'm some unlived in there for like a month. They're like, "He's a senior caddy." You know, he's been doing this for years. Whatever. I mean, that's just how all that stuff works. Gone golf. Let me just say, a lot of there's a lot of lies. It's in a golf. lot of fluff. golf. A lot golf. of fluff. Golf. Golf's our best caddy, maybe the best caddy I've ever seen. <laughs> you, there's never been a caddy like this guy. So, um, so I go out with four golfers from Korea, and uh, and I'm carrying one bag because I can only carry one bag. You can't carry more than one. Now bag you're strong, and, and so you can actually I am, carry two bags now. I am laying clubs down, two clubs down on the tees, on every tee, and a lot of the second shots when you can't see where you're going for all the players because we had no other way to communicate. I mean, I, I couldn't have said, you know, it's, it's le- the, the pin's on the right side of the green. You know, I, there's nothing I could do. There were a couple times where I would show my yardage book and point out where the flag was, but literally it was, more, it was easier for me to direct but basically, it's like pretty a, clever, like this a, is a senior, rides. this is a senior this is a, level caddy senior caddy move. So, right I mean, I am running across the old course, laying clubs down in front of these players. Tron would have been so mad at me about all these alignment <laughs> rods. But I'm laying them down, laying them down, laying them down, laying them. It was the uh, the, the 18 beers I had at the Dunvegan after that uh, round were, yeah. were, were well, well earned, well earned for the day. That was a uh, speaking of the language thing, I've been fortunate to go to a lot of places. You have too. I know a lot of how to say like the first line. Of you know any in, in a lot of different languages. If it were Korean, you know it's yobosayo is how you say hi, like in a, in a way. But once you say it, I think everyone rightfully so lights up and then starts to speak in like most anything but Spanish. After that, I'm like I got nothing. Like I regret saying I wish I would have just done the point smile and nod thing right off the bat because I am immediately regretting that you think I have a clue what you're saying. I will also say to your credit, I mean I think that. A very respectful thing to do is if you're going to travel to another country, is like to learn a move, a couple, of, a a couple of words or a couple of sayings. My my wonderful, beautiful wife uh, firing off Italian was just That's unbelievable. Sick. I mean, wasn't great Italian. <laughs> it might not have even been Italian at certain moments, but it sounded awesome, and people appreciated the attempt. The People appreciate if you try. Yeah. You know? Why? Why is it that Americans, especially? I get maybe I'm just I only know this side of it, but like when you're somewhere and like let's just say for Korean, for instance, um, you know, because they're in in L.A. There's a you know Korea town. It's a very high uh, Korean population in in uh, downtown L.A. And you'll go someplace and someone will say something and you hear somebody get very frustrated. Like you keep saying the same thing. I don't know what you're saying. It's like they are trying their hardest. Right. <laughs> to tell you what and how many languages imagine you when you go to korea like i've been to korea and i'm you you're like i'm so lost i don't blame you for being annoyed that i can't do, I, I don't know what else to do but i'm gonna keep saying the only thing <laughs> i know and maybe i'm gonna say it in english because i like don't know what to I'm say i'm trying man i'm trying like, just, just give them a break it goes, goes back to my whole thing is if people are trying if they're genuinely trying <laughs> that's all they need yeah it's all you need if you're giving it your your best effort then appreciate that person. It is amazing when you think, maybe this is the divide in so many like 
essence, like areas of like life nowadays, like even society. I know we all speak English in, in, in America for the most part, it's a primary language, but you would think we would have like, I mean, shoot, we don't even use meters here. Speaking of meters, like we should have a universal, let's bring us all together. We all speak the same language or we at least use the same measurement, like units of measurement. So like, we don't feel like, oh, I don't want to go down to, you know, Mexico because I don't speak Spanish. It's like, we're all, we're all in this. It's like what I always say, if aliens came down, we would all bond really fast right? because we would all of a sudden be a, the earth against these aliens. Yet well, somehow it, we're see, independence you know, day, the speech, it's a, you know, yeah, it's exactly it's that. Me fired up every time. I actually might've cried the first time I watched independence <laughs> day when that speech came on. It was so impactful. Um, I have a dumb idea. I'm going to bring them now just on the back end of what you just said. You want to hear my dumb idea? I would love to. Um, you didn't run this by Cindy, so we don't know how dumb. This is, a, this is really dumb. And it also, it might be my life hack as well. I don't think we should have time zones. I don't understand them at all. Whoa, this has to mess something up. So this is, listen, 24-hour oh, clock. We all go on military time. And it's just, if you live in Europe and 10, it's morning. Then 10, it's morning. I see what you're saying. But it's 10 here, it's night. It's 10 here, it's night. That's got to be less confusing than what we do now. I don't even know what my own state time zone we're in. Well, we are in the worst half state for the that, time. Though. We are in the worst state for that. We're about to switch time zones, but we don't switch in, in next weekend. You know, like the, Arizona is way too confusing. I mean, but the, the whole thing is like central and mountain and people. I don't think most people even know the difference. So I... Do you I, like it or not? I, <laughs> I love it. I'll give you the reasons I love it and the reasons I don't. Reasons I love it. Knowing what time your sports team plays would be so much easier. It's wouldn't on at to, five. Wouldn't have to ask you to say an Eastern, like whatever. Um, why I don't like it. Okay. And I don't have a specific reason. There has to be a reason <laughs> if we're missing. Like, like, I know that the big reason that in Arizona we don't change time zones is an agricultural thing. Now, I don't know why that matters, but it has something to do with scheduling. There has to be a reason that the powers that be, there's a reason they made this up. Um, but I mean, I don't hate, no, because no, cause then you're no, no, I got it. I got it. If it's a 20, if it, there are technically 24 time zones. If you said something at, is that no, never mind. I'm wrong. I, I'm telling you, my idea know. is, my idea it's is It's a not, dumb idea. I know it. It's just, I can't prove it's it. It's not a, it's not a bad dumb idea. Um, all right. So Maybe. I want to get back to golf for a minute. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about what, th- this isn't just about your experiences next week. I wanted to talk to you about what makes a good and great caddy. Somewhere somewhere right now is 24 hours in front of us. The time would be hard to tell what day it is if you just set a time. The day thing we get, it's different days in places too. Like what day is today? What day is it in Australia right now? It's, it's tomorrow, the, right? Tomorrow, yeah. So but but that's confusing too. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm, t- I'm big planet. I'm man. telling you, my idea plays. <laughs> it plays. Just, it's a strategy. I'm hey, not sure it's a how about hack. this? How about how about a guy? You don't have to deal with this much because you're a professional athlete who doesn't have a lot of meetings. But as someone that has to have like Zoom calls and meetings and calls with agents and whomever, I always get the time wrong. I did have I had one this morning. I had a panic attack because I realized that I didn't know if they said I um, I thought they said Central Time, which they did. But I woke up this morning thinking they might have said Eastern, and I was going to yeah. be an hour late. Yeah, and then I had to figure out if we were still in Pacific Time or Mountain Time, and then I really panicked. Can we replay what you just said, and you try to tell me that I'm, my idea is not better? I did not, not say no. I did not say my- I did not say that this isn't a good idea 
because of the confusion that we already have. I'm saying that there has to be a reason that we don't do this. I want you to flood Shane's inbox with real reasons, not opinions, <laughs> real reasons that this has been like made into like our everyday life. It's an election year. It, there's polarizing things happening all over the world. Any candidate threw this out there would get my vote. I got one. 24 hour. I just want to know, hey, is the thing on at five? Perfect. I'll figure it out. A myself. minute should be 100 seconds instead of 60. An hour should be 100 minutes. Make it make it whole. I know there's an actual reason for that one, but. Okay, this is this. I, we what else do we have on the right now? <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about caddies. I wanted to talk to you specifically about. I mean, let me tell you what makes Joe great. Like why yeah, I love. Yeah, Joe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. like you've had you've had a few multiple caddies yeah. over your career, both professional and also guys you and, and people you've had to pick up randomly. You've had club caddies. You've had on the road caddies of just random events, random days. What makes Joe great? What do players of your caliber? professional and otherwise like what are you looking for in that partnership yeah i think caddying in general i used to caddy as as you did obviously you were a senior i never quite made it to the senior level caddy um but that's different club caddies are different you, you almost everybody wants for the most part the same thing you want somebody who's lighthearted, fun but who just like doesn't screw up who doesn't make your day any worse that's pretty pretty standard stuff in professional golf there's everyone is so much more personalized i like uh to like my caddy a lot like i like to be friends with them and, and 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 just interjecting there i mean there are obviously approaches to this professionally where it's their their work people cut off and i know later. i know uh somebody i won't mention uh names but i know somebody who like you know had one doesn't now and you know pretty much said like it, it was too close like honestly i think if joe didn't caddy for me i would have to maybe go more towards the professional route because it is a lot like th there are pros and cons to it. Like I love Joe. Like I love Joe's girlfriend. Like I want Joe to have the best life in the world when I'm not playing well. It does sit with me that, man, I'm like not helping his life. And it's a lot. But at the same time, I wouldn't trade it because I love Joe. I think he makes me better at golf. Um, so there are pros and cons to this. But the reason I personally like having a friend is because I like to be lighter on the course. I like to laugh. I like to talk about the sports that we both enjoy, even if he wasn't the same like alignment with fans. Or with a fandom, like I, I, we would be able to talk. What if he was an Astros fan? Uh, no, he'd be, he'd be fired immediately. Um, but yeah, so we would have like you know we have so much to talk about and have fun, and I trust him. So I think trust is a big part. Now, again, you can be a professional, straight up caddy, and be very trustworthy. You know, I would imagine uh, JT's caddy, JJ, is as trustworthy as it gets. He's a pro's pro. Like that guy, I've never seen him. He's got you know, he's very even keeled. Uh, he's obviously, I would imagine, never been late. The guy gets it, and that's, you know, works for JT, obviously. Um, I'm assuming he'd work great for me, but right now in my life, I really enjoy what I have. But into the like the the nuts and bolts of it, like what Joe, I think personally, if Joe caddied for anyone in the world, I think if he caddied for Tiger Woods, I think Tiger would understand and everyone understand just how good of an actual caddy Joe was. I think when I first burst on the scene and, you know, I just got lucky that Joe wanted to do it, um, I didn't appreciate just how good he was at actually catting. I appreciated how much I loved him working with me. Like that's what I liked. And then when 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 he uh, we had to split, um, I tried out a bunch of guys. I tried out the pros, pros. I tried out friends. I tried out all these people, and I started to realize, man, Joe was really good at like actually catting, like the art of catting. And to what that is is, Joe has a ton of golf feel. The hardest thing for him that he's told me is that when there's a lie, especially in the rough, it's hard for him to feel that lie. Part of what we've talked about earlier in the season, that first event we came back at um, 
colonial from the the quarantine. Um, but I had a ball sitting in an old divot, and I he wanted me to hit wedge, and it's one of those where I wish I would have told him this ball because I'm putting my club down behind it. This ball does not come out of this lie like that. It just doesn't. I can feel it, but I didn't because I I trust him too, which is great. And I hit wedge, came up short, and then I three putt, but it came up, you know, with nine iron goes to 15 feet. We never have this issue, right? So that's when we had a discussion. I had a discussion with Joe. I was like, I need to be more vocal about what I feel because he can feel so much more than the average guy, but even he can't feel the lie. So when we're in the rough, he's like, he has to ask me, is that going to jump or not? But what Joe's really good at, the thing he's the best at is, especially like, let's just say there's wind off, wind off the right. I'm a righty, and I'm going to cut it. That ball is going to fly shorter because the ball is fighting the wind. You know, it, it is technically going a little bit into the wind. Now, if I were to draw it, it would be going downwind. He's really good at being able to judge, it, for me, how far the ball will actually go if I were to work it certain ways with wind, without wind. He's really good at, at that. I think when we're playing our best, I, like, I'm always pin high. And I think that, that a part of it is obviously to do with myself, but a lot of it is also to do with Joe. Joe's really good at reading greens. I will say that I think that's the most overrated thing that any caddy does. I've never really been a fan because I do think Joe's great at reading greens. But at some point, if he tells me it's a cup out and I think it's a two feet out and he's right, I'm not going to like the read. Like, it's not, I'm not going to make a good stroke more so. Uh, he's good at that too, though. Whereas he'll say, what do you got? And I'll say a foot out and he'll say, okay, I like it a little less than that. And then after I'll miss it a foot right. And he'll say, I actually liked it like a ball out, but I couldn't, I can't tell you that. And it's like, so he has that understanding. Um, He's, you know, punctual. He's on, he does all the little stuff really well, but, uh, he also, you know, like in, in this last like little blip we've had, or I've had with my golf game, he's just been very hands-on. Um, you know, like I said, he's caddying for Hubbard this week, but he's texted me a couple times last few weeks. How's the game going? What you've been working on? Here's what, you know, every, every time we have like a, um, a long stretch, he'll send not every time, but most times he'll send me an email and say what I, he thinks I did well, what I think I did, what he thinks I did poorly, what I should work on. And he's very open to constructive criticism. I try to lay it out in the sense that I think he's amazing at this, but here's what we could do better. So we had a plan coming back from quarantine. He he did fine. I did bad, but I did remind him that he did well. Like I told him I wanted to have more fun. He said, I'm all in. And, you know, three weeks in, I'm not having fun. And he's doing his best. I can actually feel him trying. And like, I just couldn't get out of the funk. So it's stuff like that, that I like having a friend. I think it would be harder with a professional caddy. I've had some caddies that I think are fantastic caddies, just not fantastic caddies for me. So it is a very uh, intricate thing. Some people don't even really care so much about the caddy. And then that's another angle. You just get a body. Like they get, they're, they're kind of doing all the stuff themselves. Yeah. Cause I do a lot on my own. I think I could play without Joe. Like I'll show you like, you know, hopefully this week in the local, like with the local caddy, I've done it before. I'll, I imagine I'll play really well. I do think though, that there are times I'll shout out Stevie F baby, but Steven caddied for me uh, in Japan last year in the, um, in the Dunlop Phoenix, which is their like flagship event. Shout out to Chris Solomon. Um, Japan's flagship event. And uh, he was great. Like he did everything bare bones wise I needed him to do. He kept extra towels in the bag. Um, we talked a lot about it. He never caused one issue. I ended up losing the tournament by two. And there was a shot. Now, who knows? Butterfly effect could have changed. But there was a shot on 14 on our final round that I hit over the green and I almost guarantee you with Joe, I wouldn't have. Okay. But at a point things do move fast. I have to think of things like quickly. Cause we'd only have 40 seconds at the golf shot. And I was in a little funky spot. I was in, had a like kind of a funky lie. I had to hook it and I hit it. And right when I hit it, it was right at it and I'm posing and it flew the green. And I just thought to myself later 
And again, no knock to Steven. Steven, Steven did everything he could. But this is where I was like, yeah, this is just the stuff that Joe does really well. well. The, I mean, Joe's a professional save caddy. A shot. Right. And all Joe talks about all the time is he just wants to caddy for someone he knows he can help a shot a day or a shot a week. And that was the one where when I look back on it, because I think having Steven was great in the sense that it made me almost uh, go into Joe's head a little and be like, okay, would Joe want me to hit this shot? Is this being crazy? And I, I, almost every time I'm going to say he would think it's crazy just because he, you know, that's typically how your brain would go. So I think it helped in that sense that I, I never really tried to do something I, I shouldn't. But in that actual shot, that was the one where, you know, I, 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 if I look back, I could have, if I make that same swing with a pitching wedge, it could have been really close because right at it. And, you know, maybe we win the golf tournament. Maybe we get in a playoff. So um, that was, that's a little stuff. But that's the stuff that obviously the reason I enjoy working with Joe is because of stuff like that. I really notice it, too, because I think that some guys who don't notice how much their caddy helps, I think it's because they've never had somebody quite like Joe who can do all that stuff. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, when I, I've, you know, I caddied for a couple of players, friends of mine on the LPGA Tour over the years. You know, one thing, and I've always said this a lot, is, you know, your respect level for the professional caddy goes out, goes through the roof the moment you're out there doing it because you realize how big of a job it is. It's so much. Bigger what did you than notice? Like, just is the biggest. Like, I mean, just like leap early, early in the week. I mean, how 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 long the caddies are out there? Um, how much they're stepping stuff off? How they want to get every number absolutely perfect in the book to where there's no surprises when the actual event starts. You know, I mean, professionally, one yard can be the difference, right? I mean, yeah. you hit that shot. Eight yards short, five yards short, you might win. You hit it over the green, you don't win. You know, I mean, yeah. and that's what we see. So, you know, there there are little things like that early in the week that I was so impressed with. And then during the tournament rounds, just how aware they were of everything and how much work they put in that you never see. You know, stepping off holes for tomorrow. You know, stepping off off the back bunker. You know, making sure their book numbers right. Writing down every club, every shot distance wins. that's what joe does he goes like yeah if i hit a shot he's like how'd you hit it and if i say good or whatever he'll say okay that nine iron flew in that time like he'll, he has little like symbols but he'll be like you know that nine iron flew 148 and bounce up there to 151 um and then later in the week i can even tell i can even ask him be like joe remember that nine iron on three or he'll bring it up be like that nine iron you hit yesterday at the same time went x far like and we're we're you're, you're thinking you're gonna hit it 10 yards further it's not going to it's gonna go this far right it's, it's stuff it, like that, that was that was something and i mean i would try you know i'm i'm not doing this for a living i'm doing this the first time i was doing it i was i was writing some stories for for aol and just really just trying to help a friend out and then the second time was um when erica passed away and irene called me and was like hey you know eric always loved having you on the bag do you mind helping me out I went out there just trying to be a, a good influence to be like a, a positive personality yeah. around her. But I was taking all of these little things I'd seen from all the caddies and trying to implement them because again, I want to be helpful, but I was just, I'm always so impressed by the caddy. I had, I had a conversation with Jimmy. You mentioned Jimmy Johnson and you know, he caddies for Justin Thomas and he's this one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet in the world. And I was at Pebble and we were walking and he was out there was like, Late in the afternoon. I just realized I called, him J I called him JJ. I don't know if I've ever called him JJ. Jimmy Johnson. I think I just like put his initials together. I, I mean, I'm sure it's a nickname. Because I call Everybody that's a JJ probably goes by that. Maybe. What is JJ Henry's full name? Do you know? Uh, no. So I'm going to look it up. It's got to be pretty. It's got to be pretty cool. Because, I mean, he's like a Southern boy. They always have like cool, um, cool names. Uh, Ron? Oh, no. Oh, come on. Ron? No. He doesn't. Ronald JJ Henry. Oh, so no one knows. Or it's just JJ. And JJ's in parentheses. 
Yeah, Ronald, Ronald Henry the Third. God, I'm going to call him Ronald. God, learning so many things. Anyway, sorry. Um, we, but I was. Uh, I don't even know where I was talking about. I was talking about Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson told me at Pebble Beach that one thing he'd learned from Justin because I, I've said this a lot. I really think that Jimmy joining Justin has been a huge help for Justin Thomas. Do I think Justin Thomas would win a lot and yeah. win majors? Absolutely. I think he's, as we know, as you know, very, very well, one of the more talented people on earth right now in, in this in this particular sport. But having a great caddy helps a lot. Yeah. And having the perfect caddy for you, as you're mentioning with Joe, uh, Jimmy told me at Pebble that one thing that was hard for him that he had to learn was he had to learn to caddy more aggressively. Yeah. Because Justin caddy was your player. Justin was so good. Yeah, that he'd caddied for great players before, and it it was like he'd never seen the shots that that yeah. Justin Thomas can pull off. I mean, going back to Aaron Hills for a minute, you know that that, that shot was. there is, you know, when you're hitting a non iron or a wedge into that green, and we had that whole occasion one day when we were out at Aaron Hills. I mean, it's I I didn't hit the green with the wedge, a yeah. gap wedge to that pin, and he's hitting three wood there to twelve feet. So it's that mentality. He had to move closer to Justin. Justin had to move a little bit closer to the mm -hmm. way Jimmy wanted to caddy, and that partnership as I've seen has been, you know, really an envious one. If you were a professional golfer, I think just watching it. I, uh, when I won the Rustolium, Joe was not my caddy at the time. Dan Schlem was Dan's a very good caddy. He's been around for, for a while. And, um, one of the coolest things I got to hear him, hear him say after someone was asking him some questions, uh, about the final round. And I played really well. I was seven back and ended up winning on Sunday. And they said, what'd you do today? Like, what, what was it? What was the key? And he said, you know, I saw he had it and I, I let him go. And like, nice. that is part of it because that was a day where I couldn't miss. Everything was just where I was looking. And at that point, you know, to, to your exact uh, last statement, it was like, Hey, like I got it. Like whatever it is, I got it. If I want to cut this one, I'm cutting it. If I want to draw it, I'm drawing it. Like, just give me the club and like, let's keep moving. And I would say that for someone like Justin Thomas and, and, you know, at times for anyone on the PJ tour, myself included, I would say that the times I play the best, the it's almost like the value of whoever's caddying that day is probably lower. Um, there, I'm sure they they help. Like I know Joe helped me at Wells Fargo for sure. And he's helped me help me when we won BMW. And he's helped me in a lot of great events. But I would say that I would still have probably had a great week and maybe still won. Great caddies raise your floor. And I think that's probably what JJ, uh, Jimmy, why did I golly it? again, Jimmy, I'm going to call him Ronald. Please call him Ronald from now <laughs> that's on. What I, that's he's going to be so confused. So confused. Uh, that's what uh, Jimmy Johnson probably did is, is he's made Justin's like average golf, number one player in the world golf. And um, I think that's, that's the jump we've seen part of it. Also, J Justin's just gotten, you know, better. Like he, he has grown up. He's always been an amazing player, but he's getting better at, at scoring, uh, you know, ever since 2013 when he turned pro. So, um, I think that's it. You know, the caddy thing is so interesting to me. Uh, I, I, I enjoy caddying still to this day for, I know I've caddied for you and I I've caddied for other people for fun and it, it, I do it for fun, but I also do it selfishly because it always kind of, it puts me in a different headspace for when I play because I realize there are things that I'm thinking and doing that no one else would think. And I'm playing, um, I'm playing golf narrow mindedly. And if you can kind of open up like the other part of your brain, which is what your caddy is like generally for in professional golf, it really helps. And then you can also see like, Hey, you know, to, to playing to somebody like, when you said, we always talk about when you said on the fourth hole, there's, I can't be left. There's OB, I can make birdie from the right trees. You have to 
if we had had more experience and I could know that I could be firm with you or if I need to be soft with you, you have to figure that out. But it'd be like, you know, maybe if you're somebody who wanted something firm, I could say, like, I could have walked over and said, Shane, we're not hitting in the right trees. We're taking this on. Yeah. But now if I know that it's a shot that bothers you, then I be, pull off a little, be softer and be like, okay, like, let's then move the line. You know, you like change how you would talk, but you need to know the person too. So it's, it's a learning experience for sure. But Jimmy Johnson said it a million times, like Justin still does it. Um, I'm just trying to, it's almost like the don't screw this up. Like pick the times when to say things and when not to say things. And I would say the quiet times is when it's most important. You know, like I said last week or two weeks ago about uh, Joe on 18 at my first uh, tournament when he said hit hit the fucking shit out of it. Like that was what I needed at that exact moment. And that's the value I put in him. There are things he does that are great. The feel, all that stuff. That's the stuff that I would say is the intangible that means a lot to me. Like, and I think it would mean a lot to a lot of people because he can vibe how you're feeling at that moment. Yeah, I like it. And I like the undercover boss thing you said. It's like going and caddying and you kind of see the sport. You see the golf course in a completely different way, yeah. you know, because you're not hitting the golf shots. And I mean, I, the times I've caddied the same same way. I mean, I know there have been times when I was caddying, you know, on the LPGA tour and there'd be a shot we were taking on and I was nervous, personally nervous <laughs> yeah. because the shot was really hard. And then like Irene would rip it to like eight feet, you know, and you go, oh professional and then there's gonna be days where they don't have it this one i try to be honest with joe and be like dude i don't have it today um i heard that great story um you know about uh i think bones was telling us a couple weeks ago and i end up finding the interview kind of like phil had reference it um that wing foot that year that uh he almost won he walked off that range said it was the worst rain session he's ever had and he basically told bones he's like i have no clue where the ball's going we're gonna hit driver on every hole and just get it far because he goes i don't think i could hit a fair with a four iron and then it's the caddy's job and shout out to bones for being obviously like a hall of fame, one of the best ever, but he has to then completely change how he thinks in that moment without knowing how Phil is feeling about his game. He just kind of knows just because he said it, he can't feel the shots that Phil is going to feel bad about. He has to be like, okay, I'm changing how I look at this entire golf course as we're walking the first tee. It's like, that's hard to do, but that's what the best caddies do is I can look at Joe and be like, I can't draw it today. It's like, I don't want you to offer up that thought. I don't want that to even be part of it. I want us to move around this golf course in a different way. Maybe it's like, man, I'm hitting my driver by, we're going to hit three iron a lot. I don't want to be thought like, I don't want to be talked into it. I, this is the game plan. Right. Like we're going to adjust and move off of that. And that, and that to me, to you guys credit, that to me is like the ideal partnership, right? Is that you're comfortable enough for you to go up and go. Cause I mean, a lot, listen, a lot of professional athletes, a lot of professionals in general, you know, they don't like saying I don't, or I can't. Right. I mean, that's a phrase that's scary to say for you to be comfortable enough with him to go, Hey dude, like I kind of don't have it today. Yeah. So let's like, let's see what we can band aid together for sure. And then that game plan instantaneously takes off. Okay. First hole, it's kind of tight. Let's hit an iron. Let's make par here. Let's make a couple pars in a row. If you're caddy and you're thinking, okay, get a couple of pars under our belt and maybe, maybe we'll feel more comfortable in this, in this instance. But it is, again, it's, you watch golf. We know a lot of the caddies out there. Even golf fans know a lot of the caddies names and we know historically who they've caddied for in the past. And I do feel like sometimes we forget how impactful that job can be on a weekly and daily basis. Cause it is so important. It's a, to, it's a marriage. Like it really, it really is. is yep. You you are around so much, so like little it, little less uncomfortable doing the engage doing the you know yeah. ask. I don't know, man. Try try try. Well, I guess I mean, knock on wood, we've never been divorced, but I imagine that's quite awkward because firing a caddy is 
awful. Is it awful? Oh, it's awful. Is it? Is it? Are you? I mean, I'm not a big confrontation guy. Me neither. Is, man. is it? Is it like you just have to sack up and do the in person? Do you call? Have you done all of the versions of I've this? I've done all the versions. Yeah. And you sometimes you'll be like, hey, you want to do a three-week trial? And at the end of three weeks go, and you're like, okay, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, because then well, you don't have to, like, fire, fire. You know, you're like, I'm, I'm good. You should just always do a year. You know, you should just be like, end of the year, we'll see where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, sorry, you didn't get a call. You didn't get the membership papers in the, in, in the mail. Um, well, that's interesting. I'm, I'm glad we touched on that because, I mean, I know you guys have such a unique relationship in terms of professional golf. I don't know if there's a lot of, kind of caddies that are really really close good friends i mean a groomsman of yours you know i mean that, yeah. that is that's unique and there's that's a really few cool. i think they get highlighted the best which is cool because you know i know like uh pat perez and his caddy h have been together forever and they're like as close as can be so it's like you get some some like that and you get some that are professional and, and you remember those too um you know jimmy johnson and jt will go down i'm sure in the history books as you know very winning team um you know joe lakov and tiger you have all these people that you like reference with each other and um it's definitely like more friendly than we would know but like it's it's still more business to some than than others we're gonna take a quick break and be right back Um, do you have, and I'm not to name names, and I'm sure the answer is yes, but do you have caddies on tour that you're really close with that you are not kind of pals or friends with the player, and when you're paired with them, do you talk like 100% of the time to the caddy? Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm friends with Ricky Fowler, but like, I'm really good friends with Joe Scott. <laughs> right, right. Like, I, I, I asked So Joe, when you get paired together, it's oh, like... Oh, yeah. I mean, Ricky is the man, and like, we will talk. I wish I was closer with Ricky just because I think he's a really good dude, but like, I will ask Scoff if Ricky has anybody open and then he will tell me to text Ricky to double check. But he's like, I'm pretty sure. And like, we're both like pining to like all get, you know, to like play a practice round together, but not saying Ricky wouldn't, but like, you know, Ricky you has spend his five group. hours with I, a friend. I'm cool with spending my time with Scoff. I put on the, the Ryder cup. We had a questionnaire and I, I wanted to put on uh, why I thought me and Ricky would be a good team. And I, I, I wanted to put on, like, because me and Scov, like, always get along when we're on the same team. Scov can double loop. Yeah. And, and exactly. Joe can bring the cooler. Sure. We'll be good to go. Um, I, I want to move to flights. I have zero. How many do you have? Uh, I had a uh, – I'm so dumb. I had a life hack, and I totally, totally forgot. Oh, you know what the life hack should be? It should be right down your damn life hacks on your notes app. I Come set on, you up. Homer. That was exactly my life hack. Get it together. You was use your notes hack. app all the time. I do. Um, so excited about golf, excited about getting back out there. Yep. Sherwood, by the way, before we go, uh, it's going to be cool. Uh, Joe said, Griner told me that, um, it's awesome. Golf course is in perfect shape. It always is. They have, you'll see the homes around there. It's a high end golf club. Um, uh, but he said, it feels like Vista Valencia after leaving Sherwood because Sherwood was so perfect. Really? Yeah. He said that, but he said, it's good. Um, you mean shadow, like shadow. So for so perfect? leaving, sorry, leaving shadow to Sherwood, even though Sherwood's perfect, like shadow was on like this different planet of nice. Uh, but Sherwood's cool. It's got some really fun holes. Uh, it gets a lot of grief because I don't think it's like a very, it's kind of a goofy golf course in a way. Um, but it's one that like, I always said, like, it's very fun. It reminds me a lot of Summerlin in the sense that it's way, I think it's a better golf course than Summerlin. But it reminds me a lot of it in the sense that I always enjoy playing Summerlin. It's just like, I would never tell you one of those holes out there is like a great hole. Uh, Sherwood is the same. I don't think there's a lot of like great holes, but it's fun. It has a lot of like, there's a lot of like, trouble on every hole but there's also a lot of like uh birdies and eagles be made um there's a lot that's gonna happen 
and there's a lot that can go on. Um, I'm hoping that it's firm. I doubt it is. It's just been so hot that I doubt they've been able to make it that firm. But, I mean, we'll see. I think it'll be a good viewing experience. No one really gets to watch it very often. I know Tiger used to have his challenge there. But, right. like, even that wasn't the most was, publicized. Was, was Sherwood where Zach Johnson made mm-hmm. the part? Made the wedge, which, yeah. I, I, that, that might go down as the best kind of Tiger reaction where it went to him and it's like he looked back and he had this look like, are you effing kidding me? Yeah. But it was like kind of a smile because it was a sick shot. I do think Tiger is probably the most the most underappreciated part of him is that when people beat him, he is not stoked in that way, but he is like he puts a lot of respect to that person because he's done it to, to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. and I think he gets it. So that, I've always appreciated that watching Tiger's reactions is like if you did something to him, he's never hung his head. He he will be like, dang, like yeah, you did it. He's like, I'm gonna do it to him again, and I'm gonna do it more. But that was pretty cool. That shot, for a short wedge shot, the spin on that, we'll post it on the Instagram It's a account. tight lie. It's a really small target. Oh, my goodness. It was so gross. And you're reeling yeah. off it just dumping in the water with Tiger, you know? And it was and it was a playoff, right? Or it was, it was, the, a, it was the final it was hole, hole or something? Yeah. It, was, it was like he was, Tiger was in the bunker. He gets up and down. He makes par. Yeah. Zach had hit it in the water. He was done. And Zach knocks makes it in. It. And Tiger didn't get it up and down, right? Yeah. Or something. And that was that. So, uh, it'll be interesting. I'm excited to to watch it. I unfortunately didn't get to watch a lot of golf this past weekend. I was uh, Sydney was out of town, so Henry and I spent the whole weekend. Went to the zoo, you know, <laughs> as, as one does. Went to the zoo. Um, my uh, my one year old's kind of takeaway. He, he asked me to to bring this up about the zoo. Uh, big <laughs> pro zebra. Love the zebras. Like the giraffes, they were very far away. Did not care at all about the lions. Or the tigers. Or the bears, oh my. There was a tiger bathing in this pool by the door, like the, the window door thingy. And <laughs> I've never seen my dog go to the front door in my life. What? You've never gone out that door, ever. <laughs> all right. You all right over there, Scotty? You going to walk yourself? All right. Enjoy the walk. Um, but there w- it, was, it was late in the day. The zoo was about to close. And it, it's like this is like one of those moments. Like you were, you're there. I mean, the people could be taking pictures. Yeah, all this picture. We're the only ones there. This tiger is. It is four feet from us, bathing in this water. And Henry's like looking at a bird. <laughs> I'm like, dude, look at this thing, man. He's like, I'm good. I'll go back. Let's go back to the zebras. The zebras are great. <laughs> um, that's that. We'll have obviously more to talk about next week. Let's actually do the. We'll do the Monday podcast next week after you play. Oh, I guess. I guess you're not playing this weekend. So we'll do something next week when you get there. And then yeah, we'll do I'm like a Monday. Monday oh, well, no, no, no. We'll do the Monday reaction. I'm saying after you play golf. Oh, after. After yeah, you win. After you win awesome. with the club caddy. I want. I want to get the. I want to get your full rundown of your club caddy. I'm so excited about. I'm going to use our new life. I'm going to take notes. Take some notes. Uh, you guys have a good week. Hope you guys enjoyed. Oh, I have a uh, Phil Mickelson on my other yes. podcast, The Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. Unfortunately, Max and I were supposed to play golf today, and I had to bail. We'll do it That's again. That's an okay reason. I I I hate I hate bailing. I, I feel there's awkward. that's an okay reason yeah and I I, I texted I texted you yesterday I, I lined it up with a couple of our friends and I was like just had to bail I All had good. to do it so uh, we'll, we'll play Quintero soon I want to take you out there it's a very very awesome golf course but I uh, appreciate you listening check out the Phil Mickelson podcast on the clubhouse we'll be back next week wash your hands everybody Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.